Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening, wherever in the world you might be. I am Nicole Beasy, and you know everything. Welcome. I am excited about today's episode because it was inspired by a question. If you email hello at NicoleBeasy.com, I might just make an entire episode just for you. It's like free coaching, free consulting, free implementor. <laughs> That's what this episode is about. I talk a lot about change management, especially in our current climate, especially in business, but like for all the time in life, we are living in wild times. It is a roller coaster ride out there, soaring highs, plummeting lows. It demands adaptability. It demands dynamic response. If you are not pivoting on a daily, potentially hourly basis, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what you're doing. Actually, I do know what you're doing. You're probably living in paradise, AKA um, this valley in Sicily that I just spent a weekend. But yeah, those people aren't worried about, about what's going on out there. They've been hoding, hoding, no, goat herding for like 10 generations now. They've been farmers. They've been olive oil millers and they, they just do what they do. And it's pretty amazing. Very simple life. I wish I were useful let alone able to live a life like that. Uh, I'm pretty useless without the internet, but I digress. What I am great at is change management. I love the fact that things are always changing, that we are always evolving, that our businesses are scaling, and that we have this opportunity to continually solve bigger, better problems, right? With like more creativity, more impact, and more benefit, more mutually exchanged benefit. And I got this question from someone who found, so I, I did a podcast on Gina Wickman's book, Traction, which I fell in love with. I don't know how many years ago it was recommended to me, but it, it just made so much sense to me in all of the different businesses that I've led, that I've been a part of, that I've advised, that I've shuttered. <laughs> This, this book really applied, this framework really applied. And it was, it was completely spelled out. Step one to step 10, it was all of the documentation. That then evolved into the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS, which became a really popular buzzword. There was this whole system that was creative out of it. And I kind of wanted to offer people a breakdown because the original book will walk you through EOS. It also gives you all of the things you pay. I think it's like $500 a month to access to become an EOS implementer. People are charging anywhere from $2,500 to I think $10,000 and up to be an implementer. And so I guess this is the follow-up to that episode about how to be an implementer or how to find people within your organization and or life to be an implementer, what it takes to be an implementer. And also, if you want to just kind of skip to the end, perhaps you've experienced some challenges in implementing or in the people that you've worked with who have taken responsibility for the implementation process. And here's the thing, it's not for everybody. Not everyone is cut out to be an implementer. And also, not every change that you are trying to implement will be successful, nor by the time you get to the conclusion, will it be applicable. Things are changing so quickly now. Sometimes we can start an implementation and then realize this isn't working. I was 
tasked with implementing an entirely new project management system for a large scaling organization. I think we had over a thousand employees at that point. We had never used a project management platform before. So I actually went to the software developer's office. I got trained in the front end, the back end, the upside down end, the inside out end of this software. And I was really excited about it because I thought that this really could connect our disparate companies with un- under this sort of corporate umbrella construction with project planning, with procurement, with products, with sales and marketing, with events, with the back end like corporate office. It seemed like a really transparent, really great way to customize this need for being able to see where everybody was at, you know, before procurements ordering materials for construction, like what sites are we working on? What shops are we opening up? What production facilities are being built? Where are they at in their processes? If the same people that are ordering the corporate office supplies are also ordering the building materials, don't ask, then we, we need to know who's doing what when. How much money do we have available? If accounting is also participating in the system, it, to me, made perfect sense. I also think like a project software platform. It's kind of how my brain is wired. It's really exciting, I know. So I brought back all of this knowledge. I brought back this rollout plan. I was in charge of implementing and I got to it. I was checking up with people. I was following up. And what I realized is that for a lot of these different departments, they had never had a reporting structure to begin with. They weren't used to putting their projects into like a timeline and then checking off where they were at recognizing that when they completed something that could potentially trigger somebody else's start point. And in fact, there's a whole waterfall effect when you actually build out the complexity of these these programs. So we had to kind of slow down a little bit and help people understand how they did what they were doing and also how that, that impacted people outside of perhaps their direct reports or the people in their direct department. So that was the first adaptation, right? Then what I realized is people were waiting until the last minute. And I think this is incredibly common. Technology is only as useful (laughs) as the solution it is attempting to create, right? And so if people have never done the thing before, giving them some like very complex piece of software that will translate their activities might not be the answer because they're not even keeping track of the activities in the first place. So that was the second adaptation. Oh, okay. Like we're not even creating to-do lists, let alone checking off to-do lists in real time. And that's the whole point because we've got these interdepartmental responsibilities that are relying on this real-time reporting. So pause. This worked for some departments, worked less better for other departments. The departments that people really needed this reporting from were the ones that were really struggling to get it in. The biggest challenge for me, this was, we're now looking like four or five months into this implementation process, right? And this was a multiple six-figure product, by the way. Like, we spent some money on this. I did not have the influence, shall we say, when we started moving into these other companies that were all trying to project manage, especially like construction and then on the retail side. I couldn't tell these people what to do and when to do it. There was no influence. I'm not their boss. Their job performance is independent on it. And in fact, me coming in there and instructing them and expecting them to change the entire way that they work took their own time, took their energy. They found it really irritating. (laughs) 
he found me irritating, believe it or not. And it, it fell over. It did not work. Now, other things were happening at this time as well, including a merger and acquisition. And so as we started getting deeper and deeper into this implementation process, what we realized is that as beautiful as this software was and as much as we had spent on it, it was no longer going to solve the problems that we had initially desired and they weren't even going to be our problems any longer. So we dropped it. I think we were probably between 150 and 200 grand into like building out this product to be customized to meet our needs. And honestly, we just moved on. I was like a little upset that I had spent that, that much time and energy on it. But like, hey, I got to go to San Francisco and hang out with these tech nerds and learn a little bit about like backend coding. And I certainly learned a lot about project management, which I use all of the time. I think my disappointment came a lot from my assumption that I had failed. But the reality was, was like eight months into this, the, the entire nature of the organization had shifted. We'd gone from trying to be internally efficient to trying to be externally profitable and sellable. So things changed. Things changed quickly. That's what happens in a scaling organization and you need to adapt. And that's where I think like in terms of implementation and one of the first considerations is simply like, what are we trying to do and why are we trying to do it? Change management is a part of organizations. And I love this sentence. It is the divine symphony that orchestrates the melodies of progress. So beautiful, ChatGPT. Thank you for that. It is the harmonious blend of vision and action steering organizations towards new horizons and propelling them to greatness. But seriously, we are constantly and forever in the cycle of change. I've done a lot of episodes around that, including one specifically about the cycle of change. Like we are dealing, we are playing, we are shuffling, and we are getting back into the game. At every single stage, there are different priorities there are different problems to solve. There are different lessons. There are different benefits. There are different disadvantages. And as we bring clarity to where we are in the cycle of change, and there are going to be multiple cycles going on depending on the size of your organization or just simply depending on the complexity of your life, like where you're at in your own physical experience might be different than where you're at in your own financial experience. So if you are a team of one, you are the implementer, my friend. If you are managing an implementer, it is really important to just get an understanding of where are we at? What is it that we want to be implemented? How are we managing this particular cycle? There are a few things that we're looking for, right? Like, again, this is a continuous process. I don't want to say there's no end and no beginning, but with every end is a beginning, right? And so whether this is a continuous process where you were literally like design theory, iterating, improving, and then going back to the beginning over and over and over again, or you were truly deciding like we are concluding this in this moment and we are starting something completely new. Obviously, that's going to be nuanced to your own situation. But the point being like, understand this is a continuous process. And I think that can be a challenge because as an implementer, that can feel exhausting, right? So that doesn't mean you're constantly working all of the time. Learn about your own cycles. I talk a lot about this in terms of seasons with business, seasons with yourself. What you want to be doing in the summer might be very different than what you're doing in the week between Christmas and New Year's. That's probably obvious, but a lot of people aren't thinking like that. They just assume it's going to be continuous because it is a constant state of change. 
However, that doesn't mean we're doing the same thing all of the time. We need to get buy-in, right? Like again, whether it's from ourselves or from it's our team or even from the stakeholders in our situation, the people that are going to be impacted by this, how do you do that? You simply involve them. There are tons of studies out there that suggest when you simply involve someone in the process, you ask for feedback, you get buy-in and they are going to be twice as happy with the outcome, even if it's not the thing that they wanted or said that they thought would work. It's kind of wild how easy it is (laughs) to get buy-in and how impactful that buy-in is. Now, I'm looking at this from a 21st century position, right? Like you hear me talk about new world business building. The old way of doing things is that this would all be happening behind like a closed door and like a very mahogany lined space, (laughs) With lots of old white people in there. The new way of doing this is like, it's completely transparent. You are sharing this process. You are sharing the desired destination, the vision, and you're continually updating people. The reason we do this is because change is scary. Doesn't matter how secure you are. Doesn't matter what your attachment <laughs> like process is. Change is scary because we don't know what's going to happen you get ahead of that change. You create a sense of safety and security with regular reporting with transparency. When people have transparency, they think they know what's going on. They're going to trust, even if we are actively saying we have no idea if this is going to work or not. We have no idea how long this is going to take. We have no idea what's going to happen. When you're upfront, open, and honest, and you're consistent, that is transparency And you will overcome both the uncertainty and the resistance to change when you make this a part of your process. This is why a lot of organizations are even putting their salaries and their payrolls out in the open. This is why blockchain and Web3 is such a transformational way of doing business. Up until now, everything's been private. Everything's been a secret. And that that creates distrust. It creates resistance. By putting it all out there, we eliminate that like instantly. And yeah, sure. It's going to be a very, very different way of working with each other and engaging. I'm okay with that. I'm excited about that. It is an agile and adaptive approach. This is what allows us to quickly respond. This is why corporates get such a hard time because it feels like you're trying to like steer the shipping tanker, right? Like it takes as long as it takes. When we have a progressive implementer When we are taking responsibility for the fact that we are in this constant state of change, we are working towards certain solutions and outcomes, and we need to be both responsive and adaptable in our approach to this, we kind of can't fail. Even if it means like, oh, shit, this isn't working. We're not going to keep doing this like this, right? By breaking down some of like the huge organizational change that might need to occur, whether that's changing the way that you're cash flowing, whether that's changing your product suite, whether that's changing your teams and your restructuring, we break it down into smaller, more manageable steps. Small, agile. This is why small businesses are so powerful while small scaling companies have such an advantage because theoretically we can move a lot quicker. That opportunity is available to any implementer when you're thinking about things in these like small bite-sized steps. Like that's why project management and like software programs that help you sort of break it all down to see like the waterfall effect of, well, once this, then that, right? And the, the guidance, like how if you're not a team of one, let's say you are guiding implementers, you are, you are finding people within your organization, Sometimes, uh, and especially when I would I come in as an, a consultant, as an outsider to support an organization, 
I find the implementers because firstly, they tend to be pretty vocal. They're usually the people that others look to for advice, for guidance, for information, for the like Intel or 911, because they know what's going on. They've got a pulse in the organization. That's like how they're hardwired, right? Like their DNA is to be like as um, in the human fabric, that book that we talked about, like they're the ones that like network just naturally. It's how they're built. They see the web. They want to be the hub. (laughs) They want to be a part of it. When you can get those people on board, they will naturally implement. They will naturally spread the influence, the information, the tools, the resources that you have through their network. And because they're trusted guides already, you're going to be that much more effective in leading and guiding. It is a specific skill set. I don't think everybody is designed to be an implementer. You might be trying to convince yourself to be an implementer. And I think that there are some ways that you can set yourself up for success. Firstly, just learn like what truly motivates you. And I think like that's really important as someone who might be looking for implementers, get really clear on what lights someone's fire. What do they get really excited about? What are they really good at? My sense is a good implementer is probably a good storyteller, is someone who enjoys connection and people and networking and helping, right? Like you got some people in organizations that are like head down, butt up, getting shit done. And they, they are always a team of one, right? Like they're just very much interested in their own progress, their own success stats. And like, that's fantastic. They will be the right person for the, a job that demands that level of performance. In terms of an implementer, you're looking for someone who's really task oriented. Um, there's someone in one of my organizations who like, They literally, I can't tell you how excited they get about to-do lists and checklists and then checking things off. They literally take a picture, they take a screenshot of the checklist that I have access to, that I get a notification every time they check something off on. At the end of the day, they take a screenshot of it and then they share it with me because they're so fucking excited about everything they checked off on that list. Now, firstly, my to-do lists, I couldn't take a screenshot of them. I would need multiple screens and devices. They are layered and nuanced. They're totally overwhelming and they're continually growing. Like I am constantly adding maybe 10 things to each of those lists, at least, I don't want to say every hour, that's an exaggeration, but like there's probably like 20 new things that go on variety of to-do lists every day. And, and I am not getting 20 things done every day. Let's just be very real about that. I, like to me, my to-do list is kind of like change management. It's this ever-evolving wish list of fantasy things that in a perfect world, I probably would need multiple dimensions actually to actually get it all done. It does not, I don't give a shit. If I check one thing off and I did it amazingly, I'm like, we're good. Let's go get a margarita. <laughs> so... Yeah, we're wired very differently. She is a phenomenal implementer. She is task-oriented. She's disciplined. She's focused on executing and completing tasks. And she has no qualms about being like, hey, did you do this? 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 I think an older version of me would have found that really annoying, but considering she reports to me and she's giving me to-do lists and she's helping remind me like what actually needs to get done and what may or may not be a priority. I love it. I need it. I want it. 
She is an implementer. I can give her a project. I can give her a deadline. And I can say, I'm not even sure how this is going to get done. And at some point, I'm going to get a strategy in my inbox. It's phenomenal. They're persistent. They are efficient. They are reliable. And they have a systematic way of problem solving. They, and, and like, when I talk about values alignment, that's what I mean. You can't train someone to be systematic. They either approach something the same way every time or like they don't. You want to hire for that, right? And, and again, you don't need someone systematic in customer service. Like having, I don't want to say a robot because it makes it sound like I'm calling this person a robot. They are not a robot. They're they are the yin to my yang. Yes, quite literally. They're phenomenal. But yeah, it's like, how would, how would you solve a problem? How would you solve something that had never been done before? How would you approach a 911 problem that fell in your inbox 30 minutes before the end of your day? Like there are questions that you can ask to ascertain, does this person approach things very similarly or are they kind of like getting creative every single time? I'm not saying every implementer has to show up like this. In my experience, the best implementers do. And so when you're looking at your own team, or even when you're examining yourself, ask yourself, because there will be spaces in your life you do approach it the same way every time. That might be a skill that you can then relate to the thing you are trying to implement, the change and the change management you are trying to get a hold of. Like maybe your workout's the same every day. What is it about the way you think about your workout that you could apply to the evolution you see as necessary in your life or business? So yeah, again, task-oriented, disciplined, focused on executing and completing tasks. I think the values on there are persistence, efficiency, reliable, problem solver, systematic problem solver. Supporting people, supporting yourself through change and evolution that persistence can show up like support. It's like we're checking in every day. And that problem solving can say like, hey, this is getting really hard. Where do we need to take our, our foot off the gas pedal? When I, when I looked at those departments and I was like, holy shit, man, y'all have never used problem solving or project management. It's just been fire, put it out. Fire, put it out. It's just been a chaos. You've never looked at reporting outside of your own like boss as a way of influencing the people around you. Okay. This is going to be a process. This is going to take a little bit more education, a little bit more buy-in and a little bit more refinement. We're going to slow down here. I'm going to, I'm going to change the timeline on this. I'm going to get approval around that. I'm going to get buy-in around that. Right? So for someone to be successful at implementing change management, whether that's introducing a new process of doing things, whether that's introducing process at large, whether you're talking about reporting. And as I'm saying this, so many of my clients are coming to mind. This has been the hot topic for this year because so much is changing so quickly. And I don't remember if I brought this up. There's a phenomenal interview with Tim Ferriss and Mark Zuckerberg. And you can have your opinions on Zuck, whatever. I'm not like big upping him. But in this interview, he talked about prior to the rebrand of Facebook to Meta, he spent an entire year going through every single workflow SOP process at Facebook. A whole year, Monday to Friday, nine to five. He's the fucking CEO. Like a lot of CEOs will be like, eh, I'm not supposed to do this. Maybe you're sure. Like that's not what, I'm, what the point I'm trying to make. The point being that to be successful at implementing 
We need accountability. We need understanding. We need to know why we're changing and where we're going. So he took on the role of implementer in that particular instance because it was his change. And and he had the vision for Meta. He knew what was going to be evolving in his organization. And he implemented that change process by process, document by document. And it took as long as it took, right? So again, understand the change process. I talk about like the desired destination. In order to create change, in order to get buy-in, in order to get people to follow you as the leader, you need to know where you're going. They don't, they just need to know what the next step is. There does need to be some like trust and desire. <laughs> that's that's why vision is important because you paint the picture of the desired destination. They don't know what it is. They don't know where they're going. It's not their job, right? But the implementer needs to be clear on that specific junction of change. Where are we at? Where are we going? They do need a certain level of training and skills. And so if they're going to be teaching people, they don't need to know how to do the thing. They need to know how to teach people, right? If they're going to be checking up and persistent, they need to be doing that in a manner that is supportive to the team and doesn't feel like like how I came in and I'm trying to get the construction company to start implementing project management. I'm not the boss. They don't want me checking in with them. They don't owe me anything. So my interfering in their ability to be successful was seen as an irritant. That was an opportunity for me to upskill. And like, actually, that's how I became a coach. But that's a whole nother story. When you want someone to be an implementer, make sure that they have the knowledge and the skills for that particular responsibility. And that might also involve role-specific training. So depending on the tasks, the priorities, the time management, the coordination with other team members, all of those things need to be inculcated, to use an SAT word, but you need to inject that into this implementer's experience. That might involve training, that might involve teaching, that might involve mentorship, that might involve shadowing. There are a variety of different ways that you can ensure that this implementer and or yourself have the skills and experience necessary to be successful in facilitating the change that you desire. And then lastly, to be a successful implementer, you need like continuous feedback and that needs to be part of the process. And so you're checking in, where are we at? Where did we expect to be? How do we course correct? How do we adapt? As this is a dynamic of evolving continuous project, are we sending out, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, the things that you fill out polls, anonymous polls, surveys? Are we having meetings? What's the agenda for every meeting? Are meetings revolving around problem solving and forward looking? Or are you part of the old business world and all of your meetings are just real time to-do list checklists? Oh my God. Sorry, that's just so boring. It like blows my mind that anybody would actually spend time talking about what they already did and what should have already happened. But do you, boo? How are you getting feedback? How are you checking in? How are you supporting your implementer? How are you making sure your implementer is getting the support that they need in order to be successful? When you create regular check-ins, people, for the most part, if they know they're going to be talking to you 15 minutes every Monday to let you know how the, like any problems they perceive and being successful in implementing the change for the week ahead, 
They're going to be thinking very forward thinking about what's going on. You might not need those 15 minutes. I'm not saying you have to spend three hours with your implementer every month to go over like what's working, what's not. What I'm suggesting is you need a feedback mechanism that needs to be part of your change management system. And your implementer needs to know that's what's going to work. For me, as an example, I'm highly accountable to others. I create meetings. I pay people. (laughs) I do things publicly because that forces me to show up over and over again and improve each time, right? So one thing that people ask me a lot about, especially when they're experiencing challenges with their implementers, there's this fear that it's going to fuck up. It's not going to go well. They're failing. And we haven't we haven't even gotten far enough into the process yet. It's kind of that like residual reliance on fear and doubt to motivate us to get shit done. And if you are growing and evolving, that's only going to work for so long. We have to trust the project, like the, the change, the, the process we've created around this change enough to like, let it live and breathe on its own for a little while. If it's not meant to be, if this solution isn't going to work, there's only one way to find out. And you can absolutely create thresholds, whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's resources, whether it's individuals, so that you're not only do you have these regular check-ins, but you know we're pulling the plug on this. If we haven't gotten traction with this, if we run out of runway, as in funding or finance or cash flow, like, we know at this date, we're not doing this anymore. We know at this date, we're, we're not launching this, at least on time, potentially ever. So what we're releasing is this obsession with exactly how this is going to look and land at the end. And we're saying, if this is meant to work at will, 100%, we've set it, we've created an amazing plan and we're going to trust the process. That's what allowed us to pull this plug on this project implementation. I can't, I have so many projects and products, and I'm sure you can relate to this, that haven't happened yet. And yes, I could berate myself and tell myself I didn't hustle harder. I didn't commit. I am a flaky. Or I can recognize things changed. And maybe that product didn't make sense at that launch date. Or maybe that product deserved a hell of a lot more development. And it's just on pause right now before it gets released. So get curious. What is available? What's working? How can we double down on that? Perhaps this implementer doesn't have the skills or the resources, the experience or the training, a clear vision or understanding of what is expected. Perhaps they don't have the buy-in or the influence or the, the power to get this change over the line and they need, they need some support. Ask, create that feedback mechanism, right? It is an ongoing process. It does require adaptability and continually returning to the purpose and the vision. Why? Why are we doing this? Why is this person in charge of this? Goal setting theory talks about, when I mentioned this a little bit, we break things down into bite-sized manageable pieces, right? Celebrate the completion of each one of those. I, I mentioned this as well. What lights their fire? What tickles their pickle? It might be validation, recognition, celebration publicly. It might be rewards. They are incentivized at the conclusion of each junction. They get paid. They get additional paid time off. They get more support and resources. Like understanding what motivates somebody, the why, 
as uh, Simon Sinek would say, is incredibly powerful. And also, as we celebrate each step, we are creating resilience. That is how you build persistence and confidence. People will be willing to tackle bigger, harder, scarier goals when they believe they can achieve goals. It's kind of this like paradox. If something feels impossible, as humans, we won't try as hard as if it feels almost possible. So that as the leader, again, if you're supporting an implementer, there is a, there's a level of cheerleading and encouragement and also challenge. Letting them know this is going to be a stretch. It is unknown if we'll hit this on time, on budget, and or um, with the existing resources that we have. But there's only one way to find out. And I am confident you are the person to make this happen. We're going to check in. This is what it's going to look like. Here's the plan. Or bring me an implementation plan. Let me see what you think is going to work. And let's go from there. The last thing that implementers tend to be most challenged by, because again, if you think about a successful implementer and their personality, their skill set, their values, they're, they're a systemic problem solver. They are committed. They are persistent, right? Like they are productive. They probably measure some of their success potential value, potential value on their production, on their ability to create, produce, and get things done. They're not going to understand somebody that isn't wired like that, right? And again, different values will be more or less applicable for different roles in your organization. But oftentimes an implementer is a real go-getter. They've got a certain energy, a certain ex excitability about them, right? Like they, they, they almost infect the others around them with like this, this belief and this hope. Now, some of those others might just be real like Zen workers. They're, they're doing the same thing. They like doing the same thing. They perceive change as a risk. They perceive risk as bad. They are going to potentially, they're, they're having their own thing going on. Like there's a lot going on in their lives or they've been in startups before that are really rocky and you never know what's going to happen, so on and so forth. They're bringing their own baggage to the party. Not everyone is going to come along for this change. And if the implementer feels like it is their job to drag everybody along, kicking and screaming, they will burn out and become exhausted. Allowing an implementer to know that, firstly, this may or may not be successful. That is not your responsibility per se. Your success will be determined by each junction of this journey. Have, did you implement step one? Did you implement step two? Did you implement step three? Look, look at that. We got the whole thing done. Fantastic. But if there is another resource, human or tech or otherwise, if there is a particular situation, system, space, like emotion, not everything is coming along for this change. I know that sounds obvious, but again, recognize your implementer is going to have this giant fucking net that they are dragging along with them. Let them know, like take things out. <laughs> That's part of the change management process is not everything is coming along for this. We are going to be leaving things behind. And that is the point. If this load gets too heavy, I need to know that before you break your back. It is not your job to drag everything and especially every way that we've been doing things, maybe even the way we've just been talking and thinking about things along with this. An implementer is a shapeshifter. They are a code changer. They understand in their dy dynamism, 
Did I make up a word there? Like they're putting themselves in different situations with different people, with different goals, different motivations. And that requires somebody who has the ability to read the room and respond accordingly. You'll hear me say like you read the energy in the room, but literally like the level one through six and you respond in a manner that allows that individual to get exactly what they need. And they might not even know that. So I feel like I'm kind of like jibber jabbering and going on and on here. Being an implementer is crucial. I think we are all required to be implementers in our own experiences, in our own lives, certainly in our own businesses. And also we might be managing implementers, people who we are tasking with this evolutionary change, this specific change management process, desire, and goal. And like, again, continual, continual cycle. So if you're wondering how to effectively lead an implementer, I would suggest lead by example, be the change you want to see, but bring that person into this space knowingly, knowing they have the values, knowing they have the skills and knowing that they're going to get the support to be successful and then create that mechanism for success. Generally, just a little bit of feedback, perhaps a little bit of training and the ability to, to course correct, to pivot when and where necessary. So I hope you found that useful. If you know someone who's going through significant change in life and organization, maybe share this episode with them. If you know someone who's obsessed with the OS, uh, holla at your girl, but also listen to Traction because you don't need to pay for that stupid system. Um, I also don't, I don't know, I have lots of opinions about that. And you know where to find me. The Discord container is my very free, very accessible Discord it is the container for all of my people. It is very low pressure, very low key. You show up, it's full of entrepreneurs, creatives, artists, and maybe people just with ideas who don't really know how to get started. But you might find someone who can do your website or someone who can help with your accounting or anything in between. So I love the container. You can also email me any questions you might have. Hello at NicoleBZ.com. Again, this entire episode was inspired by one question. And I thought it was really, really useful, which is why I make whole episodes. If you're asking it, someone else wants to know it. So let's resource each other, right? Um, I'm probably doing something really fucking cool. Go to Freebs, FreeBZ, NicoleBZ.com forward slash FreeBZ. And you'll see the latest and greatest of what's going on with me. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. Thank you for being here. Again, I do this for you. I love you. I hope you're amazing. Talk soon. 